Welcome into this Friday edition of EMA Radio. I am Mason Voth, the managing editor of EMA Online, where we cover K State for rivals. You can uh, get all the K State information and news and notes that you want over there, as well as being part of the premium message board. So get signed up over at kansasstate.rivals.com. Less than nine bucks a month, pretty good deal. If you want to keep up with the cats, um, you can just get a, a, a ton of different ways that, uh, K-State can be covered. Obviously, the offseason is going on, so some people not as engaged typically in the offseason. I know for the longest time I wasn't, but you know, obviously as I uh, got into to the jobs that I've had since I got to K-State as a student, uh, I have been way more engaged with that, and it, it's always a fascinating time. So that's why it's a, a good time. If you feel like you haven't always been in the loop before a season starts, uh, email online is a great place for you to start and do that. Today, going to hit on a couple of things, um, some news and notes about what I put up about uh, K-State basketball's roster construction. I'm sure that most people saw the dudes tweets that went out uh, Friday morning from all the basketball staff members. Um, I'm pretty sure that we we all have a good idea of who that was about. We'll discuss that a little bit. Also, kind of some down-the-road type stuff with how roster construction is ultimately going to turn out. The big news of last night, draft day. The Wildcats end up getting the final pick of the first round. Felix Anyadike Uzama, the hometown kid, goes to the Chiefs at number 31. Um, I, I knew that there would be a possibility that K-State had either him or Julius Brents go yesterday. And, uh, you know, as the draft kind of progressed on, you could kind of tell that Julius Brents probably wasn't going to go in, in the first round. Um there were a decent amount of corners that ended up going, and then of teams that were left, didn't seem like Brents was going to be the fit there. But there was always going to be that possibility that, that Felix Anyadike Uzama went because uh, teams like to stockpile talented defensive linemen. You like to be able to rotate those guys in and out, have just a bunch of different dudes that can get to the quarterback like it is a big deal. So really anybody could have been a, a target there. The Chiefs had kind of a need there. And uh, they end up making that move. Fortunately, also for everybody, the Chiefs decided to to not trade out of that spot. Uh, I know that was maybe a thought. I think if the draft was anywhere but Kansas City, there probably would have been a chance that in a regular year, the Chiefs do trade that draft pick and, and, and they don't make a pick last night. But there was no way that, A, they could leave all those fans hanging out there in front of Union Station. And B, you know, when, when Clark Hunt is down there already – uh, it's probably best if Brett Veach wasn't like, Clark, I know you made this trip down there to, to, to announce the last pick of the first round, but we just traded it away. So uh, you just wasted a trip for no reason. I, I would not tell a millionaire who just had to make a trip down around a bunch of people in a crowded area late night, hey, the reason why you're there, you're not going to do it anymore. So uh, very, very wise on the part of the Chiefs to keep the pick. And not only did they decide to keep the pick, they decided to, to make it an even bigger pop from the crowd uh, because I'm sure there were a hefty number of K-Staters there, and it was Felix and DK Uzama. So we'll discuss some of that a little bit um, before we get into to just some other general draft stuff and then kind of setting the stage for what's going to come tonight, this Friday, for rounds two and three, and then also what maybe we could expect over the weekend, and, and then we'll get out of here because it's a Friday, give you a little bit of something to – Listen to on your way home from work or whatever you have to do tonight, tomorrow morning, however you want to consume uh, this this version of EMA Radio. I was going to say, you know, because I'm, I'm a big listen to podcasts when you're moan guy. 
I don't know what the rest of Kansas is looking like right now. Uh, I know that in South Central Kansas, you're probably not going to mow today because the grass is going to be a little bit wet. But there's your weather report as well. So you got a little bit of weather uh, mixed in with uh, with your email radio experience today. All right, let's go ahead dive into uh, what I, I mentioned about the basketball team and everything going on there. I talked about the tweets that involved dudes and, and the references there. Um, that is turning out that's going to probably be the standard announcement that uh, good news has been received by the Wildcat coaching staff now, or at least maybe for transfers. And we got that this morning uh, in various ways, but there will be good news coming to K-State. We kind of assumed it. um, And maybe that doesn't make it as exciting for people because um, I think there's certainly uh, some truth to, a lot of people assume that it was going to be Tyler Perry. And so when you, even though it's, it's an awesome addition for K-State, whenever it becomes official, which again, he has a set date of May 2nd, I guess theoretically he could maybe move that up. But right now, May 2nd, uh, which is going to be Tuesday, is when that'll probably get finalized and become official. But like there is this idea where you know something's going to happen that is still spectacular. It's awesome. It's great. But because you know it's coming, it's not as great. It's not as big of a, a burst of excitement. But this is an awesome pickup for K-State. Um, and this is this is going to be a major deal. So we know that Tyler Perry now, in all likelihood, is a member of this transfer class. So that means there's three scholarships out there that K-State has to play with at this point in time. We also learned yesterday, uh, just before the draft got started, that Max Asmus is not going to be a Wildcat. He committed to Texas yesterday. So Rodney Terry is able to deliver uh, a big transfer get uh, out of the portal for the Longhorns. And he actually also got Caden Shedrick, who was uh, the big man from Virginia that K-State had some solid interest in. So Rodney Terry has been able to get some transfers. Now he is losing some of his high school recruits. He just uh, lost five-star Ron Holland, uh, who decommitted on this Friday. So that's just something to monitor there. He's, he's doing well in the portal right now, but the high school recruiting already taking a bit of a dip for uh, Rodney Terry. And at this stage, that's still like to build an, an elite college basketball program. Your high school recruiting is still going to be your bread and butter. You're still going to want to get the majority of your stars. If you can from that spot, obviously the big transfer portal names are going to be out there. Some teams are going to be able to add awesome players in the transfer portal, but certainly uh, if you can get guys from the high school ranks, have them for a couple of years there, that's a much better way to build your program. It's more sustainable that way. You're likely to avoid major drop-offs every few years um, because when you're having to continuously rebuild a roster, like you're just due for some duds at some point. So I would say that, that it's probably wise to eventually build through high school recruiting, and we're going to have to see if uh, Rodney Terry at Texas can uh, can can pick that back up. Obviously not really our problem anymore after next season because he's not going to be in the Big 12, and I'm not sure we're going to have to worry about Texas basketball for a while um, unless it comes to some recruiting battles that I guess it could because the staff has good connections inside the state of Texas. So, as I was saying, Tyler Perry, expect him to commit May 2nd, uh, which will be this coming Tuesday. That's a big get for the Wildcats. It leaves three scholarships available. Um, if you want the, the full story on everything going on there, uh, the, the story I published this morning on EMA Online, I just gave an update on kind of how the, the roster construction is going to look for K-State over the next couple of years because it, it's pretty well defined that they had four open scholarships to use 
moving forward. Now we're down to three in that, in that spot that we'll watch for K-State. And the other notes in there are talking about where Keontae Johnson might be leaning at this point. Talked about it to start the week that his announcement kind of left that door open that he could possibly come back to K-State for another season. And that's not just a, hey, he's keeping his options open in case. That's a, I think there are some real things tugging at him that, that makes him think coming back to K-State is a, a decision he wants to make. Um, so there have been talks about that. Well, then uh, Jeff Goodman of, of Stadium and the Field of 68, he said on their podcast on Wednesday, um, so middle of this week, that he had heard that it's a 50-50 ball right now, basically, for Keontae Johnson on if he goes back to K-State or if he goes to the NBA. Um, I, I have heard very similar to that. There was even some notions that I got maybe late Wednesday night into Thursday that the leaning of Keontae Johnson was maybe more in favor for K-State. So that would shift it from 50-50 to greater than that. Um, now, that could very well mean that it's like 57-43, which uh, isn't necessarily a close margin, but it's still, you know, there's still wiggle room there uh, one way or the other. But that's certainly something to consider. And, and so at that point, if K-State ends up getting Keontae Johnson back, which that's a big if right now still, a month left in that process to play out. I think you have to operate as if he's not coming back, but at least be aware that that's a possibility. If he were to come back, that's only two spots that K-State has left to fill. They have to worry about um, when it comes to, to building the roster. And based off of what they have in place going into next year, I mean, Naquan Tomlin will be back. That will be fine for him. David Gasson will be back. That's going to be good for him. Cam Carter is going to be back, and he's a candidate to take a pretty significant leap. Um, I think relative to what there was, and, and look, Alec and I were hard on Cam Carter at times. Some of the metrics were really hard on Cam Carter at times. But he is he is a prime candidate to have a pretty substantial leap from this year to next season because – Obviously, his usage might be in a position to go up a little bit. They're going to need more out of him. He's going to be more experienced. But also, I think last year was just about finding a spot, and so many things are out of whack. It's easier for older guys to kind of adjust better. Now he's been in it in a year for a year. He can be comfortable uh, in coming to K-State, and I think it's going to probably be a deal where he's going to get a lot better this offseason than he did last offseason. And this is probably the year where it, it's not like make or break, but we'll be able to tell what the rest of uh, Cam Carter's career will look like based off, I think, the way that he starts the season and, and what kind of leap he takes there. And then obviously we know Taj Manning it, it has been talked up a lot. The K-State coaches seem to like him, what he brings. I expect him as a redshirt freshman next year to, to provide a role. And then the three freshmen that are coming in, I'm not expecting any of those guys to contribute in a major way right away. Um, Gabe did great work. Uh, I'm forgetting how long ago it was now, but basically went through and, and looked that freshmen don't come in and make immediate impacts on the Scott Drew and Jerome Tang staffs that they ha had at Baylor. Um, there were a couple of guys, but they were like the elite of the elite that came in and immediately made an impact. So that's something to keep in mind. So, I think those guys will compete for minutes. One or two of them might crack uh, to where they have a role next year and they're playing legitimate minutes spread across the entirety of the season. But 
in all likelihood, it's going to be a lot of the guys that we already know their names and then whoever else can kind of fill in um, in the portal and everything moving forward. And the benefit now of, of having the clarity and the knowledge that Max Aismas just isn't going to happen to K-State, it's official, whatever, you can move past it. Now we kind of get that reset for the Cats where you're going to be able to look around and uh, we'll probably start to get a clearer idea on who they're targeting in the transfer portal now because they know, all right, we got one of our guards in Tyler Perry. We probably need another guard. Um, they probably will not fill all these scholarships until they know – well, obviously, they. this is a, a, a firm belief of mine. They will not fill all these open scholarships until they know that Keontae Johnson is gone or is coming back. So they'll get one. And then they'll probably add another if they can. We'll see what position it's at. Likely it would be guard unless there's a, a big center that's out there. But um, Or I guess, you know, a, a versatile four of some kind. But they're not going to take a guy that's going to fill Keontae Johnson's role until they know that he's officially going to the NBA. So that's kind of how next season looks for K-State. Beyond that, um, some notes in there about how K-State is starting to look for 2024. We obviously know that David Castillo is the leader of that class now, committing last week um, to K-State. That was a big get for the Wildcats, so he's going to kind of be the face of that class. I mean, starting it off with the number 35 player overall, that is a really, really big deal. But there are some names out there where you, you start to wonder who else could be in the mix. So um, just kind of a, a couple of names to follow along with uh, in the 2024 class. And now 2025 is where we have kind of a, a wider net of names right now for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's further off. So a lot of the, the contact that's been made isn't like firm one way or the other. Um, it's just, hey, there's interest here. Maybe there's some mutual interest from the 2025, but like it's not totally refined down. But really to me, the biggest reason why we're going to probably have more knowledge on 2025 happenings for K-State, uh, at least at this point in time, is because the staff will have basically a full cycle for these 2025 guys where they've been able to get in and see them, uh, evaluate them and kind of get contacted when these guys are sophomores still versus, I mean, you think about David Castillo, this, this staff came in as he had finished his sophomore year of school. So he, they really only had his junior season to work with. Fortunately, the previous staff had talked to Castillo some, so, there was at least uh, a knowledge of K-State in that regard. That's not the case with all these 2024 guys that they're going to look to target. Um, so that's why I think, you know, they, they don't have kind of that full cycle to work with. We've, we discussed this way back when uh, Chris Kleiman took over at K-State. They did the best that they could for that recruiting class they took over um, in 2019. 2020, uh, okay, the, the, there are improvements in there, but – you're really playing from behind there because most of those guys have already committed. They commit that summer after their junior year. That's going to be tough. But 2021 is when we really started to see things pick up. And then obviously 2022, 2023 classes have hit their stride and 2024 is in a really good spot right now. So that's the kind of thing that we're looking at with the basketball staff. Basketball is a little bit easier and a little bit faster paced uh, depending on how your, your staff is set up. But that, to me, is why we see 
a more clear approach right now for 2025. There are a lot of names out there, a lot of really attractive names out there, like Cooper Flagg, the number two overall player, and then various other talented players. Malik Thomas is one um, from, from the Pittsburgh area. He was in attendance for K-State's Elite Eight game in Madison Square Garden. We know that. Um, so that's a big deal. He's the seventh overall prospect. The Cats have been in contact with Hudson Greer since um, since the fall. He's a he's the top 75 player overall out of Austin. So there's a lot that that's kind of baked into all of this. Um, another name to, to pick up is is um, Michael Brown Jr. Um, from from Sunrise Christian here in Wichita, and then Aaron Rose, another name that's popped up on there. So all that stuff is in the update on kind of how. Uh, roster construction is starting to look for K-State moving forward. Uh, just so everybody kind of has an idea of where things are moving basketball-wise, because it's not just about this year, but it's certainly about how things are going to start to be put together and progress um, moving forward over the next couple of years. So that's uh, where basketball sits at this point in time. Now, for last night's happening uh, with Felix Anyadike Uzama going to the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, just what an absolute moment. Uh, for him, for K-State fans, for the Chiefs, for, for anybody and everybody to be in that position in that situation last night uh, was really, really cool. Like, like I said, I, I thought maybe there was a chance, but I wasn't necessarily holding my breath. Uh, I did stay up for all of it just in case to see if it was going to happen. And so I'm waiting there. And uh, the second that that sound comes out of uh, – Clark Hunt's mouth is when you start to go, oh, it's happening. And I think I was probably like audibly excited for uh, what took place there. I probably about woke up uh, my wife who would not have been very happy about that. Also, apologies if you hear some weird like scratching sound in the background. That would be my dog trying to scratch her, uh, scratch her ears, but she's got a cone on, so she can't right now. So that's that's very annoying, especially when it starts to happen at two in the morning. Um, just, you know, Mitzi's got to chill every once in a while, but anyways, so that was an awesome moment. Everybody kind of gets to experience that. And for Felix, I mean, to take a guy that's from the Kansas city area is now going to the chiefs and is a first round pick. Like that whole experience was very, very awesome last night. And I mean, I, I think ultimately the, the nice thing is it's not, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more. It's not like it was just a, a pander pick by the Chiefs, although there is a little bit of pandering in this. We can admit that. We can admit right now that um, even though we're happy for, for Felix, we're happy for the Chiefs, we're happy for K-State, whatever, there's a little bit of a pander pick in there at least. But even still, you don't take pander picks for the sole reason of that in the first round of the NFL draft, even if it is the number 31 overall pick. Felix Anyadike Uzama had a first-round draft grade by a lot of people entering the season. Uh, he finished with a first-round draft grade, according to a handful of people that, that analyzed the draft, including NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. So it was the real deal there. And, you know, the Chiefs, they had a, a little press conference last night after the draft ended and basically explained the thought of, Yes, they did have some offers to possibly move back in the draft, but they decided that, hey, this really doesn't make a ton of sense because the offers to move back, it was like way back. It was into the 40s for the Chiefs, and you know they had Felix as a highly rated player still available on their board at a position that made sense for them to add, so they ended up making that move, pulling the trigger, and 
like this isn't a pick that if it doesn't work out for the Chiefs, you feel like you lost it um, because, I mean, they already kind of did that with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and guess what? It didn't matter. Uh, they they won the Super Bowl with him being just, you know, kind of an add-on uh, or whatever. The, the Chiefs don't need to knock it out of the park with their, their 31st overall pick, but I still think that they did last night. Like, I think, obviously, uh, we, we know that Felix is going to be a guy that is produced at the college level, against really talented competition. And I think that there's only room for him to continue to improve because obviously he made the physical transformation uh, from being a, a high school player to now. But also in addition to that, like I, I just think like there are things that he's going to be able to learn and pick up on that makes him even better once he gets the Chiefs into the NFL. So he's uh, he's in a really good spot. Also, I mean, talking about the physical transformation – uh, if you go and look at, at Felix's rivals profile, he was a two-star recruit that came to K-State, and he was weighed at 220 pounds. Like, he does not look like the dude he looks like now in some of those pictures. Connor Riley tweeted out a picture with him from a, a camp before he had committed to K-State. Uh, going into the draft, Felix listed at 6'3", 255. So he's just uh, gotten bigger in a lot of different ways, and uh, it's, it's a good pickup for the Chiefs. Uh, right there with the uh, 31st overall pick in the draft. So that is significant. That's the big deal. They were able to get it taken care of. And uh, now we will we'll just kind of, I guess, wait and see what the rest of the draft holds for everybody else. I said this last night on Twitter as well. Um, don't, like, I, I was going to tell people, hey, you don't need to go and, like, be pissed off at all the bad uh, draft grades that are given to the Chiefs uh, because of this pick because they're definitely going to be out there. Uh, and then I saw Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, his reasoning for why he gave the Chiefs uh, a not-so-favorable grade. He's like, ah, I don't really like the tape of, of this guy. It's like, I think you're kind of an idiot if you don't like Felix Andike Uzama's tape because I'm really not sure what there is to hate. There's a ton of production, getting around talented offensive linemen, getting to talented quarterbacks in the Big 12. And then, oh, he's getting held a lot of times and still fighting through there and making plays. And in addition to that, like, he's a defensive end that it's not just about rushing the passer for him. We know he can stop the run, but also his pursuit of guys is incredible. He never stops on a play. Like, he saved the Big 12 title for K-State by continuing to run down Max Duggan from behind. And he does that so many times with running backs or whoever it may be. So, if you see if you see a clown take for giving the Chiefs a bad grade, that's the one where you I'm okay if you want to you know kind of puff your chest out and say you're an idiot. But uh, people are going to look at this and say, eh, I don't know, there are maybe better some better guys available. That objectively is true. Like there were some guys with better talent still left out there than Felix and DK Usama, but not necessarily at the position that Felix plays. Like. The Chiefs, could they have gone and gotten a defensive back? Yes, that's that's something that would have been a possibility out there. There were defensive backs that were maybe higher on the board uh, than what Felix was. But he was the best edge guy that was left in the draft. And so it made sense for the Chiefs to do this. They really liked him. They had him high on the board. And uh, that was a big win for them. So anytime you see the the winners and losers or whatever that, that get thrown out there, tell them to screw off. Um, that's the best way to, to handle it unless you see a like just a, a ludicrous take you know it, you can go in on them I, I'm giving you my per, my permission and my blessing right now 
to uh, go after the people that give the lazy. Oh, this was a this was a, a C minus for the Chiefs. Yeah, whatever. Get out of here, loser. So there you go. Uh, that is uh, that's my take on the uh, the draft situation right now, and we'll see how things uh, end up moving forward with uh, everything else. Now, day two of the draft coming up. Uh, where will some of the other guys out of K-State land? We know that there are some prime candidates for the Wildcats to continue uh, to have their chance to be drafted. Julius Brents likely going sometime Friday night. Very easily could come in the second round. Um, so there are going to be some, some teams out there that are likely in need of a guy like Julius Brents. Um, we'll see what, what route that all ends up going and, and what some of the, the more important needs are. But for uh, the, the start of the draft, Pittsburgh's got the first pick on Friday night. Um, it seems likely that they're probably going to go uh, with Joey Porter Jr. if they keep the pick. I think they have to. Um, I think that they would be universally hated if, you know, you had his dad play for you for all those years and then you decide to pass on him with that pick. If they don't trade out of that, like that's got to happen there. But there are going to be some other teams that pop up that absolutely need help uh, in the secondary. So that's a big deal. We probably don't see Deuce Vaughn go tonight. That's probably a tomorrow thing. And then also I would probably bank on seeing um, at least one more. Like it seems like there's always kind of a K-State surprise thrown into the draft where even the ones where we know that there's a bona fide guy or two that will be taken, they always seem to have like one more that goes. Last year, kind of knew that Skylar Thompson would, would probably get drafted at some point. Um, but surprise, Russ Yeast went in the draft last year. And, you know, however many years before that, like you can go down the list and kind of pick out um, – draft picks from K-State that you kind of go, oh, uh, I, I, I mean, that's great. It makes sense. Talented player, but I didn't really see that coming about. Um, that would be kind of the, the thing that I look at. Um, let's see when the last one probably would have been. Um, I mean, I you know, Duke Shelley getting drafted by the Bears in 2019 was one of those that um, – I mean, Duke Shelley, great player, and, and, and expected him maybe to get a, a shot in the NFL. I'm not sure I expect him to be like a six-round draft pick. Um, so there have been guys like that before. Randall Evans went in the sixth round uh, in 2015. Like there, To me, there always seems like there's a guy or two that just kind of pops up and you're like, oh, okay, awesome, great for them. So probably going to be Echo Boydo, Malik Knowles. Those are guys that also have chances to be drafted once Brents goes off the board day two and then early day three when we probably see Deuce get taken. Um, but it's going to be a fun weekend. I mean, if K-State has four players taken tonight, that'll be the – or not tonight, but over the course of this draft, that will be the most Wildcats taken in an NFL draft since 2002. They had six guys go then. The last time K-State had three guys uh, go in, in the NFL draft um, – I, oh man, I, I had it for a second, but now maybe I'm, I'm not officially sure. Um, oh man, I'm gonna have to go look again. I had it, I had it for a second. I, I've got it written down somewhere. Um, but the last time that K State had uh, three three guys go in a single NFL draft um, was yeah, two that 2013. They ended up having three guys go. So that's kind of the, the target for K-State right now. We know that they will match that for sure because we know that Julius Brents will go. We 
we're 99.99% sure Deuce Vaughn goes. And so it seems likely that we have at least one more of either Boydo or Knowles go, or maybe there's somebody else uh, that surprises you. Does like Ty Zentner have somebody that just loves him out there? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Something crazy like that could ultimately end up happening. So just stuff to keep uh, an eye on there. Other note on the NFL draft last night, um, I absolutely loved watching the Will Levis saga unfold of him falling out of the the first round completely. And I think a lot of people have put this perfectly, at least the ones that watch college football. And that's the fact that like college football people that actually watched it like week in, week out, probably were always wondering why Will Levis was thought to be a first round draft pick. And um, I know that there have been some other people out there that have pointed out like, hey, this is like a total NFL dudes making Will Levis into a first round pick. When in reality, like people that watch college football knew he was not going to, he should not be a first round pick. So it seems like it took the NFL people all draft process, all season to finally like analyze and look at just the way that Will Levis played and go, oh, you know what? Like this guy's probably not a first round pick. Probably not what we what we should be doing here. Uh, so I think good for everybody that did that. I also don't feel bad whatsoever for Will Levis. Um, he's just he's just not a great vibes guy, and I feel like uh, he's a guy that's absolutely come about uh, being. Mm, I don't know. He, he's got he's got kind of a an aura to him where it's very much like yeah, I'm Will Levis. You know, the whole like eating the banana weird and drinking the mayo with coffee thing. Like, eh, dude, like. Quit putting on the show, focus on being a better quarterback. So um, I'm all for the Will Levis slide, and I would I would enjoy seeing a deeper Will Levis slide tonight. I want to see him make it to like late third round, and we've already seen Hendon Hooker go off the board before him or whoever else wants to go out there. So I'm pro Will Levis slide. If that makes me uh, a bad guy, I'm totally cool with it. You can throw that label on me. I'm fine with it. Uh, the other thing that uh, I want to point out on here, um, boy, Kansas fans cannot really handle what is uh, was a clear joke last night, um, or they just didn't understand the joke, which I think is also a possibility. Um, my tweet about KU fans in their backyard watching the Chiefs draft a K-State player in the first round, and it's this guy with his hand over his face in what looks like a backyard. Um Boy, I've gotten a ton of replies to that tweet of people being very, very upset about uh, what I said and calling me an idiot or or whatever else um, because, oh, they're not mad. Folks, the joke is, is that if KU keeps referring to Lawrence or as Lawrence is, you know, a suburb of Kansas City or Kansas City's in Lawrence's backyard, people are going to make fun of it. Number one, Kansas City is not like in Lawrence's backyard. And that's still, you know, a decent enough drive. It would also be, you know, like me growing up in Hutch and being like, well, you know, Wichita's in our backyard. No, you know what's in Hutch's backyard? It's like Yoder is in our backyard in Hutch or like Nickerson. Wichita is not in our backyard. It is a drive that we have to make still. Um, same thing like you know, for, I don't know. There are, there are a lot of ones I could throw out there. I don't want to go into Kansas geography now, but maybe at a later time this summer when things really slow down, uh, 
I can have I can have somebody test me on my Kansas geography. It would probably revolve around what like the high school mascot was because I'm I'm a uh, I'm a big mascot guy. So there we go. Uh, that's uh, th- those are my thoughts there. Just hey, Kansas folks got to take a joke. Uh, I'm not in the boat of actually thinking that KU people were upset that Felix and DK Uzama was taken as a chief. There may be a, a couple of them out there that are just because, you know, that it's like, you know, K-State. I don't think any of them are truly upset about the player that the Chiefs got in there. At least I don't think that, and I think a majority of those Chiefs-KU fan combos, they're going to be happy that the Chiefs got a highly productive player that obviously KU people know can make plays uh, because Felix and DK Uzama was quite often in the Kansas backfield uh, making plays. So that's just one of those things to throw out there. Uh, kind of an odd note. Other like kind of draft tie-ups uh, and things to to kind of finish things off. I noted this yesterday, but after the draft ended, and a lot of other people have pointed it out. The Big Twelve ended up having the third most first-round picks yesterday. Obviously, behind the SEC and Big Ten. SEC and Big Ten both had nine. The Big Twelve had six. The ACC had four, and the Pac-12 had three. Um, the other kind of fun note about it with the Big Twelve and how the picks ended up working out. Each Big 12 draft pick came from a different school. So the Big 12 put out the information last night, but 60% of their leagues were accounted, or teams in their league were accounted for in the first round last night. Um, that's, a, that's a significant deal. And ultimately, I don't really care about, you know, oh, this, whatever, you took this guy and this league had this many, because – it's irrelevant to the ultimate uh, po- point of college football. Like people aren't watching real college football fans aren't watching college football for the pro talent that's there. They're just watching because it's a good college football team. And, and that's what they're into. Um, like I've always tried to explain this to people. I-, I think real college football fans, you're there because of your team. And then by way of your team, you'll watch your league. And then by way of your league and where they stand, you'll branch out and watch the others. Like you feel affiliated affiliated to it somehow like Zay flowers of Boston college went in the first round yesterday to the Ravens. I didn't watch one single Boston college football game this year. And I didn't care that they had a first round receiver on their roster was not getting me to watch them. Iowa had multiple first rounders. You know what? I didn't watch this year. I did not subject myself to an ugly Iowa football game. And I didn't care. They had talent on their roster. I didn't really watch a ton of Florida this year. I don't care if they had a quarterback that went number four. Like that stuff ultimately doesn't matter, but it is a nice feather to have in your cap when the Pac-12 or whoever else was trying to kill off the Big 12 uh, two, two summers ago. Yeah, do we all remember that? Yeah. When people were trying to kill them off, there were those that were out there, whether they were random Pac-12 or ACC fans online or Oklahoma and Texas fans that were trying to prop themselves up while kicking the league that they'd been in for two decades now down, what, whoever it was, that, yes, there were those whispers and, and comments out there about, well, the, the Big 12's draft talent. You know, the Big 12 doesn't have the draft talent out there. Guess what? The Big 12 had the draft talent this year. They had six guys go in the first round, six of them from different schools. And if you want to say, well, you, you can't count Oklahoma and Texas because they're leaving – Number one, they are still Big 12 schools. They've recruited as Big 12 schools for these guys that went. So 
they count as Big 12ers because they played in it as well. But if, even if you want to throw them out, then sure, whatever. They're tied with the ACC. You know what that is, though? That's four. That's still greater than three. The Big 12 still kicked the Pac-12's butt last night. And by the way, if we want to do all the, that subtractive math, then we might as well go ahead and take out Jordan Addison because, hey, guess what? USC, not going to be in the Pac-12 anymore. Give that to the Big 10. Um, and while we're at it, let's just yank Dalton Kincaid and claim him as a Big 12 guy because we know ultimately in however many years Utah is going to be a member of the Big 12 because uh, the poverty conference out west is ultimately going to collapse and none of us should or will feel bad about it. So there you go. That is uh, a take from the first round and everything else. Final thing to close things out regarding the NFL draft last night and everything else that took place um, that has some affiliation with K-State. I was thinking about this last night because of all the Big 12 guys that went. So th there were six guys uh, that went in the out of the Big 12. And then in addition to that, Alabama had uh, three players go in the first round yesterday. So that's significant in itself. And I was like, holy cow, like, I saw nine of the 32 first-round picks in the NFL draft this season play live in front of me. It seems like a really high number. Um, so if you went to every K-State game this year, or the right ones, um, so say you went to all the home games and then the Big 12 championship, the Sugar Bowl, and then you were feeling squirrely and you wanted to go you know, make fun of the bridge lovers and Ames, you went to those games, you got to see – real talent this year like you're pretty blessed um so in order of of draft order of guys that if you went to every k-state game this year you would have seen you would have seen bryce young the number one overall pick you would have seen will anderson the number three overall pick you would have seen tyree wilson the number seven overall pick you would have seen Bijan robinson the number eight overall pick you would have seen jameer gibbs the number 12 overall pick you would have seen Will McDonald IV, the number 15 overall pick, the defense vend out of Iowa State. You would have seen the number 21 overall pick, Quentin Johnson, out of TCU. You would have seen the number 27 overall pick, Anton Harrison, out of Oklahoma. And you would have seen the number 31 overall pick, Felix Anyadike Uzama from K-State. That's pretty impressive, and that's kind of a cool thing to, to look back on. I'm not sure how many other like seasons you could have done that. Uh, if you went down K-State's schedule and you're like, picking out all the different guys um, that you would have seen because of, of who they played um, and where they went the first round. But that seems significant. I, I texted Alec about it afterwards. Um, and then, of course, like he made this point to me. And like this, uh, I think this is something that is kind of cool when you look back on it. Um, he was like, actually, I saw 10 of 32 because him being a, a, a former fighting Illini and an Illinois alum, he went, I think he made it to two Illinois football games this year. And he, so he got to see uh, Devin Witherspoon, the number five overall pick, the corner out of Illinois. So, like, seeing almost one third uh, of the first round of the NFL draft, that's kind of a really cool thing uh, to think about. Pretty sweet to kind of look about. And so, if, even if you didn't go to all the K State games this year, like, just reflect on even if you went to all the home games and then, the Big 12 title, or the Sugar Bowl, you loaded up. You got to see some players this year. Um, that's, a, that's, that's just kind of a cool thing, and uh, I think puts into perspective not only how fun of a season it was for fans, but also, again, is just another reflection of how special K-State's season was. The fact that they ended up having this magical year where they win the Big 12 title, 
Um, and it's, it's a great year. You beat an awesome TCU team that played for a national championship. Then you got to play Alabama, but like over the course of their big 12 schedule, they had to face a ton of guys that were really, really talented. Um, obviously they did it with their own talented players as we know with everybody that's going to go. Um, but just something to take note of, uh, as we, we round out uh, the first round of the NFL draft and get ready for everything that's uh, coming up, uh, tonight and tomorrow with, the rest of the draft. So that'll do it uh, on this Friday edition of Emaw Radio. I will be back on Monday. We'll recap all the draft stuff, how it worked out for K-State guys, and then we'll dig into a little bit more about what the fit is, what the future is. And by that point, we also might start to have some uh, news and notes on like undrafted free agent deals. So where guys might be camping uh, from K-State. Um, is there is a guy like Adrian Martinez going to be able to get kind of a shot like that or whoever else might uh, – sneak their way into to getting a shot at least a, a rookie camp or something. So that'll do it for today. I'm out. Follow along over at email online or hit me up on Twitter at the real Mason V and uh, that will do it. So I am out of here. You're good for the weekend. Enjoy. And I'm sorry if this was too long and I get cut off 20 minutes into your commute home, you're just going to have to go camp out, hide away from your family and uh, finish watching the rest of this or subject your kids to it. I know that I know that young kids love nothing more than than watching or listening to somebody talk about sports at a level that they probably are not ready to understand. Because um, I know that like that's how I was at one point. They grow out of it eventually um, because at some point like they'll start to enjoy it too. So I guess just punish them early on by making them listen to me, and uh, we'll talk more again on Monday, and you get through the whole cycle over again.